So who else thinks we should lobby to have the entire country have a work week start on Tuesday and still end on Friday? Either that or maybe we could just kind of adjust the calendars, make them eight days long. We could have another day in between Sunday and Monday. I think that would be awesome. Weekends are just not long enough. So maybe we could figure out a way to cram more hours into the day. That'd be nice too. So All right. So Jesus, we thank you for your word to us. God, we just we pray that you would touch it this morning with the fire of the Holy Ghost. God, that you would minister to us, God, the things that, that you would say. God, that you'd give us uh, hearts to receive the things that you would say to us. And that you would make plain to us the things that you're saying. God, we just pray that uh, your will would be done in us, God, as it is in heaven. Lord God, perfectly and completely. God, we pray it and ask it in your righteous holy name. Amen and amen. Go with me to Nehemiah 13. I've been kind of hanging out in Nehemiah and Ezra the last few weeks. I really like those books. It's really... Um, something encouraging about reading about these these men coming back to Jerusalem and cleaning house and getting stuff set right again the way it should be. Because uh, I think we have all have those those times in our life where things get off kilter and 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 uh, you know the the word of God comes to us and, and straightens things out and we're really glad that that He did and when we receive the things He has to say to us and, and the um, there's there's something about getting rid of the stuff that that God wants you to get rid of that really makes you feel good. It's like you're you're glad you did that, and and it feels like uh, a new day, fresh start, bluebird of happiness on your shoulder, and all that. Um, uh, so here in uh, Nehemiah 13, <coughs> it says on that day they read in the book of Moses in the audience of the people. And therein was found written that the Ammonite and the Moabite should not come into the congregation of God forever because they met not the children of Israel with bread and water, but hired Balaam against them that he should curse them. Howbeit our God turned the curse into a blessing. Now it came to pass when they heard the law that they separated from Israel all the mixed multitude. Keep your thumb there, but go over with me to um, Numbers 23. I kind of read a little bit more about that because basically it's going to say the same thing but he, he kind of uh, elongates it a bit and I think it's really really great. And of course this whole story about uh, Balaam coming out being hired to, to curse the children of Israel and he can't and, and just blesses the heck out of them is always a really encouraging story. Because sometimes it feels like, um, you know, it, it feels like the enemy could just do all these things in your life, and, and you're powerless against it, you know. And, and yet, you know, God does all these things and gives us all these great promises, and and you can 
count on those things happening and count on Him doing those good things uh, that He's promised us. Uh, so in, um, it's not Numbers 23, is it? Yeah. No, that is totally not where I was going. Um, where is that? I didn't write it down, did I? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let me see here. I think that might actually maybe it might be Deuteronomy 23. So I was thinking of, of course, the thing about them in, uh, is in about Balaam and Balak is in Numbers, of course. Um, yes, Deuteronomy 23. My bad. So in in 23.3, he says, An Ammonite or Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. Even to the tenth generation, they shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord forever. Because they met you not with bread and water in the way when you came forth out of Egypt. And because they hired against thee Balaam, the son of Beor, of Pethor, of Mesopotamia, to curse thee. Nevertheless, the Lord thy God would not hearken to Balaam. But the Lord thy God turned the curse into a blessing unto thee, because the Lord thy God loved thee. Thou shalt not seek their peace, nor their prosperity, all thy days forever. So, and then he, and, and this is kind of interesting too, in verse 7 he says, Thou shalt not abhor the Edomite, for he is thy brother. You shall not abhor the Egyptian, because you were a stranger in his land. And I read this and I thought, well, that's interesting that he would say, that you you know you sh- you can't uh, abhor the Edomites because of course they come from Esau, yeah. which was Jacob's brother. Um, uh, the Ammonites and the Moabites, of course, are also related to Israel because they were the daughters of, uh, came from the daughters of Lot. And uh, but they uh, the whole circumstance of of them is is wrong, and the and the they and they fought against. Uh, Israel, of course, and, and that's what he talks about here. But it's interesting because he says uh, here in verse six that you shall not seek their peace nor their prosperity all thy days forever. And so, so there's this this mixture then about the Ammonites and the Moabites and these these things that are of the flesh and and that type of thing. And um, and he and he says that you're not going to seek their good or their prosperity. And so. And so sometimes, you know, we have these these things in our own life that that we kind of want to uh, coddle, I guess you could say, or kind of want to, you know, hang on to precious and let precious have its way with this thing. Um, you know, it's it's funny because there's nothing like, uh, you know, you see the like the spoiled kid at, at Walmart that doesn't get the thing that he wanted, and they like throw this massive fit. You know, and and we do that with with things in our life that we don't want to give up. Well, not us, the Baptists. Okay, I do that, but um, but it's interesting because because uh, here in Nehemiah they have already been through the seventy years in Babylon, and they have uh, they have seen that that. That they need to take God seriously in the things that He's saying, and that 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 He's not He's not making suggestions, but that He's He's making commandments to them, and 
And so in verse 3 it says, And it came to pass, back in Nehemiah here, when they heard the law, that they separated from Israel all the mixed multitude. So they, they heard this thing that God had to say. Because, I mean, we just we just read last week in, uh, earlier on in Nehemiah about how they they wept when they heard the law because they saw all this stuff that they had done wrong and all the stuff that needed to change. And and Ezra and the priests tell them, but you should rejoice you know, because we're, we're clean in house and this is good. So, you know, I, I, I'm encouraged by this because they're on board here. They, 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 they separated out all the, the, the mixed multitude. And before this, in verse 4, uh, Elisha the priest, having the oversight of the chamber of the house of our God, was allied to Tobiah and had prepared for him a great chamber, where aforetime they laid the meat offerings and the frankincense and the vessels and the tithes of the corn the new wine and the oil, which was commanded to be given to the Levites and the singers and the porters and the offerings of the priests. So, um, uh, so Tobiah is an Ammonite. Uh, that tells you earlier on in Nehemiah. It refers to him as the Ammonite. So, he uh, he's one of these people who can't enter the congregation. And yet here he is, and uh, not only that, but he it says here that Elisha is actually to tell you earlier in Nehemiah he's the high priest. You would think he would know better that that he's allied to Tobiah, and he's he has put him up in the house where they were supposed to be putting the the tithes and the offerings, the things that were dedicated to God. He's moved all that stuff aside and he's put Tobiah there. So Tobiah uh, is uh, also, they, it links him quite a bit with Sanballat because uh, throughout this book you see them, them fighting with him. And um, uh, from what I could find in um, like, like contemporary historical documents and stuff, Sanballat was the governor of Samaria. And so, um, I'm going to read just real briefly in Second Kings 17. I'm going to try not to belabor this point here, but um, you know, I had um, I've been reading the Bible for quite a while and not really uh, didn't really kind of catch on to the whole thing of who the Samaritans were and and why. The Jews didn't get along with them. Um, so, uh, of course, here in Second Kings, um, this is during this time period where um, you have the kings of Judah and you have the kings of, of Israel, the northern tribes and the southern tribe, and uh, um, and they they have all these kings, some good, some bad, and all this stuff, and. Um, trying to find a good place to start here. So, um, I'll just start in 7. Uh, and so it was that the children of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, which brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and had feared other gods, and walked in the statutes of the heathen whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel, and the kings of Israel which they had made. And the children of Israel did secretly those things that were not right against the Lord their God. 
and they built them high places in all their cities. And from the tower to the watchman to the fenced city. And they set them up images and groves in every high hill and under every green tree. And there they burnt incense in all the high places, as did the heathen whom the Lord carried away before them. They wrought wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. And they served idols whereof the Lord had said to them, You shall not do this thing. And yet the Lord testified against Israel and against Judah by all the prophets and by all the seers, saying, Turn ye from your evil ways, keep my commandments and my statutes according to all the law which I commanded your fathers, which I sent to you by my servants the prophets. Notwithstanding, they would not hear, but hardened their necks, like unto the neck of their fathers that did not believe in the Lord their God. They rejected His statutes and His covenants that He made with their fathers and His testimonies which He testified against them. They followed vanity and became vain and went after the heathen that were round about them concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. And they had left all the commandments of the Lord their God and made them molten images, even two calves, and made a grove and worshipped all the host of heaven and served Baal. They caused their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire and used divination and enchantments and sold themselves to do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke Him to anger. Therefore the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them out of His sight. And there was none left but the tribe of Judah only. And Judah kept not the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the statutes of Israel which they made. And the Lord rejected all the seed of Israel and afflicted them and delivered them into the hand of the spoilers till He had cast them out of His sight. For He rent Israel from the house of David. And they made Jeroboam the son of Nebat king. And Jeroboam drave Israel from following the Lord and made them sin a great sin. For the children of Israel walked in all the sins of Jeroboam which he did, and they departed not from them, until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight, as he had said by all his servants the prophets. And so Israel was carried away out of their own land to Assyria to this day. So now here's where this is where the this is where we start finding out who the these Samaritans are. And the king of Assyria brought men from Babylon, and from Cuthah, and from Ava, and Hamath, and Sepharvaim, and led them to and placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of the children of Israel. And they possessed Samaria and dwelt in the cities thereof. And so it was at the beginning of their dwelling there that they feared not the Lord. Therefore the Lord sent lions among them, which slew some of them. Wherefore they spake to the king of Assyria, saying, The nations which thou hast removed and placed in the cities of Samaria know not the manner of the God of the land. Therefore has he sent lions among them. Behold, they slay them because they know not the manner of the God of the land. And then the king of Assyria commanded, saying, Carry thither one of the priests whom you brought from thence, and let them go and dwell there, and let them teach them the manner of the God of the land. And one of the priests whom they had carried away from Samaria came and dwelt at Bethel and taught them that they, how they should fear the Lord. Howbeit every nation made gods of their own and put them in the houses of the high places which the Samaritans had made. Every nation in their cities wherein they dwelt. And the men of Babylon made Sukoth, Benoth, and the men of Kuth made Nergal, and the men of Hamath made Ashima, and the Avites made Nibhaz and Tartak, and the Sephirvites burnt their children in the fire to Adramelech and an Amalek, the gods of Sephirvaim. And so they feared the Lord and made unto themselves of the lowest of them priests of the high places, which sacrificed for them in the houses of the high places. And they feared the Lord and served their own gods after the manner of the nations whom they carried away from thence. And unto this day they do after their former manners. They fear not the Lord, neither do they after their statutes, or after their ordinances, or after the law and commandment which the Lord had commanded the children of Jacob, whom he named Israel. 
with whom he had made a covenant and charged them, saying, You shall not fear other gods, nor bow yourselves to them, nor serve them, nor sacrifice to them. So, um, um, and it goes on to tell you that, that uh, this is just kind of how it, it went from, from then on. And so these Samaritans then are this mixture of the, the people who were left in, in, in Israel when he carried them away because, of course, they car- didn't carry everybody away. They, they carried a great deal of people away. And they left people there, and then they brought in these people with all these false religions and idols and things. And um, and then you have this mixture of people moving forward from there, and um, and this is why when you fast forward to the New Testament, when Jesus met the woman at the well, she said the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans, because of course the Jews went through this place of going into Babylon and coming back and and, and rebuilding the temple and all that stuff, and they were they were done with playing with the stuff, and and so. Um, so the the Samaritans then were kind of this this mixture, and it's interesting as you read down through here. It, it I was reading it thinking how how could that even be? Because it says they feared the Lord and served other gods, you know. And um, and I think that's an interesting um, aspect of that that mixture that happens uh, in, in in our lives sometimes when we 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 let things stay. And we and we give it this place of of immunity from uh, from the word of God and from the judgment of God, um, because we we fear the Lord enough to you know kind of skate by for a while, but we we don't want to uh, we don't let God touch this one thing. We don't surrender this thing because this is my thing, and, and I'm going to hang on to it. And um, uh, so he, um, but the reason I wanted to read all that is because as you read through Nehemiah, these um, these two guys, Sanballat and Tobiah, that are fighting against um, against them. It says uh, early on in Nehemiah, it says that they were grieved that someone was had come uh, seeking the welfare of the children of Israel. And because this is the governor of Samaria, the Samaritans, and and this Ammonite, and and it, and it calls Tobias the the servant, um, so I would assume the servant of of Tobias. So they they're either working together or he's subordinate to him. But in either case, uh, here in Nehemiah 13, the uh, the high priest has set aside all the the things uh, that were dedicated to God in the house of God, and and is letting letting Tobias stay there. Letting him live there and in the house of God when he's not even allowed to be a part of of, of this people at all. Um, so before this, Elisha the priest, having the oversight of the chamber of the house of God, was allied to Tobiah, and he had prepared for him a great chamber where aforetime they laid the meat offerings and the frankincense and the vessels and the tithes of the corn and the new wine and the oil which was commanded to be given to the Levites and the singers and the porters and the offerings of the priests. But in all this time I was not at Jerusalem, for in the two and thirtieth year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, came I to the king, and after certain days obtained I leave of the king. And I came to Jerusalem and understood the evil that Elisha did for Tobiah in preparing him a chamber in the courts of the house of God, and it grieved me sore. 
Therefore I cast forth all the household stuff of Tobiah out of the chamber. And I commanded, and they cleansed the chambers. And thither brought I again the vessels of the house of God with the meat offering and the frankincense. So it comes in and cleans the house. It sounds familiar. It sounds like Jesus coming in and overthrowing the tables of the money changers and then telling them to, to get rid of all their stuff. And uh, I don't know, I, as I, I was reading this yesterday, and I've read it before, but it had been a long time, so it was pretty unfamiliar to me. And I was thinking, man, how, what, what was this priest thinking? You know, letting this guy live there you know and but it's interesting because we have this place in our life where uh, you know our life should be consecrated to god and the things of our life should be dedicated to him and yet sometimes we have this little it's like that old song that we used to sing about the about having that secret place that secret room that we don't let let god in and um and so it's like tobiah is living in that room and um um, and and at the same time, not only is he living in this room, but uh, you know it kind of begs the question: What's happening then to all the offerings? What's happening to all the stuff that's supposed to be dedicated to God then? And so he says in uh, in verse ten, and I perceived that the portions of the Levites had not been given them, for the Levites and the singers that did the work were fled everyone to his field. And then contended I with the ruler, saying, Why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together and set them in their place. Then brought all of Judah the tithe, the corn, and the new wine and the oil to the treasuries. So, so he cleans the house and he, and, he, and he straightens things up and gets it going back the way it should be going again. Um, because the, uh, the, the priests had all, and the Levites had all left because... You know, it sounds to me like they were starving. It's like they, they didn't have anything because they, they weren't getting their offerings. I mean, it doesn't expressly say so, but it seems to me that uh, um, whatever offerings did come in, I would imagine Tobiah probably took them. You know, it's like here he is in the room. You know, and, and we, you know, there are those times in our life where we hang on to things and, and we try and stuff all the blessings we can in a, in a bag with holes. And um, and so it's it's really interesting to to read this how uh, you know how this guy who has no business being uh, even in Jerusalem has no business being in Judah uh, is living in the very temple of God and then Nehemiah comes in and and throws him out and suddenly things start moving the right direction again. Um, uh, and I made treasuries, treasurers over the treasuries, uh, Shelemiah the priest and Zadok the scribe, and of the Levites, Padiah, and next to him was Hanan the son of Zachar and son of Mattathiah. And they were counted faithful, for they were counted faithful, and their office was to distribute to the brethren. Remember me, O oh my God, concerning this, and wipe not out my good deeds that I've done for the house of my God and for the offices thereof. And in those days saw I in Judah some treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in sheaves, and lading asses, and also wine, and grapes, and figs, and all manner of burdens which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I testified against them in the day wherein they sold victuals, And there dwelt men of Tyre also therein, which brought fish, and all manner of ware, and sold on the Sabbath to the children of Judah and in Jerusalem. 
And I contended with the nobles of Judah and said to them, What evil thing is this that you do and profane the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers thus? And did not our God bring all this evil upon us and upon this city? Yet you bring more wrath upon Israel by profaning the Sabbath. And so he he points out to them the obvious. It's like, you know, they were in Babylon for 70 years for this very reason. Uh, because obviously the idolatry and, and the not keeping of the Sabbaths and all that stuff was all kind of combined together, but God told them that they were going to be there 70 years because they had not kept the annual Sabbaths uh, that were that were supposed to be every seven years for 490 years. And so... So Nehemiah is is trying, he's the governor here. He's trying to rebuild the city and he's trying to uh, you know, honor God and get everybody going the right direction. And these guys are doing the very thing that got them in the mess that they just came out of. And and he, and he brings it up to them. He's like, Did, isn't this, don't, you know, have, have you not learned from history? Have you not heard the story that this is why, uh, this is why your father grew up in Babylon? Like, come on now. And it came to pass that when the gates of Jerusalem began to be dark before the Sabbath, I commanded that the gates should be shut and charged that they should not be opened till after the Sabbath. And some of my servants set I at the gates that there should be no burden brought in on the Sabbath day. And so the merchants and the sellers of all kinds of ware are lodged without Jerusalem once or twice. I like that. It's like they're they're kind of just like, is he serious? Really not gonna do any business on Saturday, really or on, on Sabbath, and uh, um, and I, I can you know just imagine these guys, uh, these these hawkers with all of their stuff just sitting outside the gate, like okay, well you know surely the gates will open in a while, surely the gates will open in a while. Yeah, and then they just don't. And I and I love what uh, what Nehemiah says here next. He says, "Then I testified against them and said to them, Why lodge you about the wall? If you do so again, I will lay hands on you.' And from that time forth, they came no more on the Sabbath. And so it's precious because you know we have we have uh, choices to make and we have a will to make that to to do the things that we're going to do and to choose what we're going to choose." But it's precious because God put this man there to say, no, we're going to keep the Sabbath at Jerusalem and we're not letting these people in. And if I let them in, you know, they could set up their wares and, you know, maybe maybe most of the people would uh, would just stay home and not, not go over to the shops, but some people would. So I'm just going to leave the gate shut and nobody is going to be able to buy anything on the Sabbath day. Nobody is going to be over there. And, and and again, it's like, you know, he's got these people that are, are bringing an issue to his people. They're bringing a problem to, to God's people. And so he just shuts them out. And, and, he, and, and I, of course, he threatens them. I like that. I will lay hands on you. And I commanded the Levites that they should cleanse themselves and that they should come and keep the gates and sanctify the Sabbath day. Remember me, O oh my God, concerning this also, and spare me according to the greatness of thy mercy. And in those days also saw I Jews that had married wives of Ashdod and Ammon 
and Moab. And their children spake half in the speech of Ashdod and could not speak in the Jews' language, but according to the language of each people. I contended with them and I cursed them and smote certain of them and plucked off their hair and made them swear by God, saying, You shall not give your daughters to their sons, nor take their daughters to your sons for yourselves. Did not Solomon, the king of Israel, sin by these things? And yet among many nations there was no king like him who was beloved of his God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, even him did outlandish women cause to sin. Shall we then hearken unto you to do this great evil, to transgress against our God of marrying strange wives? So again, like he, you know, he's like, this is what made the Samarit- makes the Samaritans the Samaritans. It's like, do you, you want, do you want to be on Sandalat's team here or what? And and so, uh, you know, it's 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 funny because you know we don't like to be talked rough to, you know, I don't. And um, uh, you've all heard me talk about talking to uh, Brandon, our business coach, and how he would uh, push pretty hard at me and really get on my nerves and, and talk rough to me. And it's like, I'm, I'm paying him for this. Or we, you know, what the heck? <laughs> but I know, it's like I'm paying for the privilege of being picked on, yes. And... Uh, it's like if I if, if I were in Tennessee I would lay hands upon him, but, <laughs> but but no, um, nobody likes that. Nobody likes to have somebody talk rough to him. Nobody likes to have have issues pointed out to them that that need fixed. You know, but of course Nehemiah wouldn't have done this in public had if he didn't have to. If it, because this this was all stuff that should have not been an issue in the first place. This was all stuff that they should have known by the word of God not to do. And of course, um, you know, Ezra's been there with his with the scribes and the and the Levites, and they're they're preaching the the word of God and and, and teaching it to the people. And uh, and so. Uh, and, and in each in these instances here too, uh, he he goes back to. Uh, their history, because they they made a lot of their history, their genealogies, and they and they they knew where they came from, and he's like, so let's learn something from it, and uh, uh, you know it's it's tough to watch somebody that that doesn't learn from their mistakes and they make the same mistake over and over and over again, and uh, so there's a, a really precious thing in. Um, in, a, in a, having a, a humility to learn from our mistakes and, and to, to listen to instruction. And so, here in verse 28, he says, And one of the sons of jo- uh, uh, Joiada, or whatever, the son of Eliashib, the high priest, was son-in-law to Sambalat the Horonite. So, so, one of the high priest's grandsons is is even... Is he's married into the family of this Samaritan of, of Sandalat, and so Eliashib was had got himself all mixed up in all kinds of sticky stuff. And uh, uh, but I like how Nehemiah says, "Therefore I chased him from me." Like that's that's it's great. So he says, "Remember them, oh my God." 
because I have defiled the priest, they have defiled the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood and the Levites. Thus cleansed I them from all strangers and appointed the wards of the priests and the Levites and everyone in his business and for the wood offering at times appointed and for the first fruits. Remember me, oh my God, for good. So the, the thing that really struck me as I was reading that though was, was the sense of, of Tobiah living in the temple, living in the house of God, in the place where the things that should be dedicated to God were at. And and how um, you know, I, I can only imagine you know what the high priest's motivation would have been or his what or how he would have justified that decision to do that. I mean, other than perhaps, you know, maybe it's because he was uh he was allied to Tobiah because uh, he was uh, distantly related to Sanballat. So he's got all these little things going on. And uh, so, you know, the Bible talks about um, not being tangled up um, in, in the affairs of this life because we want to please him that's chosen us to be a soldier. And and so we, um, you know, I, I'm not, not telling anybody to go on a witch hunt, but we, we want to, to be holy and we want to, you know, take inventory of the things in our life and uh, those things that would would be that kind of of hook, that that would be that kind of hindrance. Uh, are you know we we want to get rid of those things with the same kind of uh, prejudice that Nehemiah did, because um, uh, I, I was encouraged as I read that how he just uh, you know he didn't leave them any room. He didn't. Uh, he didn't make little friendly suggestions. I'm I'm kind of a, the the diffident suggestion leader, you know. It's like we talk about stuff at work. And I'm like, well, maybe we should do, you know, what can we do to make this better? You know, I'm I'm not really the uh, like, no, this is gonna change. Ah, thing. So, I don't know, maybe that's maybe I'm intimidated by all these burly guys with beards sitting around our table. I don't know, because at home I I just tell my kids like, this is how it's gonna be. So, but. So you can see how how crushed they are under the the weight of my iron fist. But um, uh, but no, uh, but that that sense of having no tolerance for for something that is less than what God would have, because um, consequences should uh, develop in us the fear of God. And so Nehemiah had this fear of God that we're it's like we're doing all this stuff that got us in trouble in the first place. And I for one <laughs> have have learned from it and, and let's let's not go that direction again. So uh, so it's an encouragement though because God God really does work with us like that in our life and he and he points things out to us and he doesn't start out at that level of, you know, you know, get on out of here or I'm gonna lay hands on you. You know, he doesn't he doesn't need to start there. He starts with the scripture comes to mind, it's like, hey, the Bible says this. And uh, and we've all had those experiences where you're just kind of tootling along doing your own thing and this scripture just pops in your head. It's like, oh Or or somebody's talking to you. I remember uh driving around in the work van one day years ago and um uh, 
Mike was on the phone with Sarah, and she's like, hey, you know, I was talking, thinking about the scripture. Do you think we should talk to the kids about, you know, da 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 da? Uh, and I could hear them on the phone. And Mike and I just kind of looked at each other. Like, Ooh. like, actually, I think that would be maybe for the adults <laughs> in this case. Um, so I will take that as instruction and move on. Um, but, you know, it's important to, you know, uh, and it's actually way easier to let the Word of God do that to you than, uh, than you know, have to do the other stuff. So, you know, so if, if we have Tobiah living in the in the house of God, we want to get rid of Tobiah because uh, he has no he you know the I it just struck me as being really um, interesting that that he has no place in Jerusalem or even being a part of the people of God, and yet he's living in the in the very being allowed by the priest to live in the very temple of God. So, so we want to just uh, let God do those things in our life, and 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 really be um, um, just surrendered to Him, have that holiness. So, Jesus, we just we pray that you would do in your people those very things. Um, God, what we want is to to be completely holy before you, God, to to lay nothing before you. God, to to have uh, nothing that would take precedence over your word and your will in our life. And God, what we pray is that you would just do these things in us. God, you are have been talking for a while about cleaning the house. God, and we're excited about you cleaning the house. God, there's there's nothing like having the house be a mess and and getting the house clean. God, and that that sense of of hope and resolve that that. We're going to keep the house clean this time. And, uh, and and God is going to work with us on this thing. We're going to work with Him on this thing. And God, we, we, we thank You for what You're doing. And we just pray that today You would do exactly what You want done in this place. God, that, that Your anointing would break every yoke. God, that Your Spirit would do the things that, that You want done. God, that You would shine the searchlight of Your presence in, into our hearts. God, and that, that we wouldn't shrink from it, God, but that we would um, just let you look right through us, God, and that uh, that we would uh, lay at your feet those things that that you would ask of us, God. We just pray it and ask it in your righteous, holy name. Amen. Amen.